is a very powerful sort of line that, that we use is, is never sell to suspects. And it tends to be what 90% of businesses are doing. So many people just think they've connected with me on LinkedIn. They've registered on my website. We had a conversation. That means they are definitely a customer. And I'm yeah. going to do everything possible to flog them something that they may not even need or want. Because we don't, we don't identify what a customer is. Welcome, everyone. This will be a, re a really good chat uh, around sales. Uh, sales is kind of something which we all shy away from or shied away from at some point in our careers. Uh, a lot of us still do. So, <laughs> But uh, I do understand that, uh, you know, knowing who you're selling to and the process and that kind of thing is a, is a really valuable part of it. So we're going to take it a little bit back to basics, back to the beginning today, and we're going to talk to, uh, talk to Plan, Grow, Do. Uh, so hi, Rob. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what got you to Plan, Grow, Do, and then we'll maybe dig into some uh, topics around sales. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, uh, first off, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And I've, uh, I don't think I've ever heard Plango do said with such vigor <laughs> and enthusiasm. So, so I'm not saying it like that moving forward. So, so yeah, I appreciate the, the invite uh, to be on. Uh, it's good to be here. Um, my name's Rob, Rob Taylor uh, from Plango Do. Um, and yeah, we, we help businesses, sales teams find the confidence, process, and structure in sales. Um, more so and more perhaps more relevant in what is a changed world, isn't it? You know, every, everything's changed since March 2020 and our habits and our ways of doing things perhaps hasn't changed. Um, and, and we find a lot of people stuck in traditional ways or perhaps even a, a sense of overwhelm or you know, inertia. They don't know where to turn because there's so many places they can turn. They don't know what to do. Um, and, and as part of our you know, support for businesses and, and business owners, we really help people guide through a process uh, and a methodology that, that gives people that, that confidence that I mentioned to, I guess, get over the, I can't be salesy mentality. Sales is a dirty word. There's a certain stigma about sales. When really, as long as you've got an excellent product that you truly believe in, and a group of people who you think you can truly benefit, why would you not want to help them <laughs> by, by selling yeah. them your product? Where does that, that like, I've, se I've seen it could be called like an ick feeling. Where, where, does that, where does that feeling come from about being salesy? What do people shy away from it so much? It's a strange one, isn't it? It's, it's, I guess it's because perhaps... This isn't science-based, but perhaps we have so much pride as a business owner or when we're in employment as into our product and service that to assume we have to ask someone to give us some money to use it and benefit, it feels a bit awkward perhaps. And it is always, in so many of the people that, that, that come through we work with or conversations that we have, like it's, it's always people that they just struggle to ask for the sale. I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a salesperson. I can't ask that. I'm not a salesperson. But as the business owner, you are responsible for the development of the business. And, or as the employee, you're, you're part of the team that's responsible for hitting targets to help pay your bills. So at some point, we've got to try and move forward and get, and get over that. And if that's a, 
you know, more of an understanding of, you know what, I know I need to do that, but I don't know how to, or I know I need to do that, but I don't know where my customers are. Or, I know I need to do that, but I just don't know the steps to doing it. Those are all things that can be solved. But if we just sit back and go, sales is horrible, it's dirty, then we need to get over ourselves a little bit, don't we? Yeah, I, th I think there's, we, we normally judge things by our bad experiences rather than the good ones, don't we? So like, no one ever says, yeah, I quite, I quite like sales because one day this guy called me and he was really, <laughs> and he sold me this, sold me this car and I was like, I was so up for it because he was such a nice, we, we never hear that. We always hear like, I bloody hate these sales calls or I hate these people in shops or we always hear the bad experiences. So maybe that shapes the view of like what's- yeah, no, I think it's a good point. And I think that's, we can all name bad shopping experiences, but that probably yeah. comes down to the fact that the business doesn't have a clue who you are. So they're just hitting the phones, hitting the numbers, waiting for you to walk in the shop and assume that you're just there ready to, to part with loads of cash. And it's not, it's not the case. So I've, I've got a question because something um, that just popped up in my mind and I thought, I'm going to ask you because that could be quite an interesting topic. Is, is there in your mind a type of sales process, I guess, that just is outdated and doesn't work anymore? And I can probably give you an example of one I think might be in. Go on. I'd to hear your view. Give us an example then, where, where you think you're at with that. That'd be interesting. Or do you want me to give a sky? In shopping centres. I just think, do they actually get, do they actually get anything from that? Because all I, th I just feel like people hate them. The amount of insurance brands I'm with, just, <laughs> I'm already yeah. with you, mate. I'm already with you. I don't need that. I'm already with you. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's uh, it's what airs, I guess, on the more traditional side of what uh, what we we talk about, and there is still a place for traditional, I guess. But for me, that sort of thing is just reverting to a very old-fashioned way, and it must cost a fortune as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm in Sheffield, and we've got Meadowall Shopping Centre, and, and you see them there. And it must cost thousands of pounds to have that. And how many subscriptions do they need for this? And it's it's incredible. It's just fishing. Just anyone's a customer. Anyone's a customer. And it's just a very dangerous approach, I think, that can't be very... very uh, I have this... So I have this thought or theory that some of the really old methods of marketing or sales could, would probably work now if you tried them, just because the world's so different to what it was. Mm. I think uh, when, I, when I first left school, I, I had about six months working for NPower, knocking doors, right? And we used to try, I lived in Coventry at the time. And we used to get in like mini buses or taxis and go to like Nuneaton or Kenilworth or somewhere. And we'd spend all day knocking doors, till like the evening, knocking doors and trying to sell door to door. And I only lasted about six months. I hated every minute of it, but it was really good money. <laughs> so I think I left having not spent any money, but earned it all. So I was like the richest kid in Coventry. And, um, and I think now, if someone came to my door and tried to sell something, I wonder if I'd be more open to it because I'm not used to it. Because I live in a little village. You know, and, and like we don't, we just don't. The only people that knock our doors is every four years or whatever when they want to do something political or get you to vote for them. 
other than that, we just don't get it. So I, I wonder if someone did, uh, I'd be more open to speaking to them because it's just not done anymore. It's like... Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting sort of perspective. And I think, well, I'm not sure that tactical side, but if someone knocks on my door, it's like, oh, stop bothering me. I've got three kids at home. It's chaos. <laughs> yeah. I don't need you here. You don't even know who I am. Um, but I do think there is elements. And again, it's what we always advocate is it's more of a blend of traditional and modern. Whereas I think a lot of people we see are trying to detach from what they feel uncomfortable doing, perhaps getting on a phone or uh, having a real conversation, but leaning more towards just putting stuff on LinkedIn and Facebook and thinking that's, that's everything. And likewise, we get more traditional leaning people where they're just waiting to go back to normal. Like we're, we're just on pause. This whole year since March 2020 has been a big pause button and I'm just waiting to go back. Yeah. And it's not going back, it's, change, it's changing. Like going back, to, I, I struggle with the word going back to normal. Yeah. We, we have evolved and we have changed and it's accelerated that change rather than forced something to happen that otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. The, the migration to digital, the amount of you know, new, new starters or millennials in sales positions, marketing positions, business positions, it's, it's huge now. And of those millennials are all using some form of digital. Yeah. And if as those responsible for sales or business development, just ignore that or neglect that because we feel uncomfortable learning new skills, what are we missing out on? It's, there's, there's such a, a risk that we're either detaching from traditional because we don't like it yeah. or scared to develop digital because that's not what we've done. We do what we do because it's how we've always done it, sort of mentality. Yeah, I know that there's um, part of the business that is uh, focused around kind of modern sales, if you like. So we'll dig into that in a minute. Yeah. I know, um, and then we'll go into the uh, uh, the kind of way back to the beginning, right from the start, about identifying people. Mm. Well, um, it's interesting what you're saying, though. I think um, we've we've had a lot of this talk about uh, working from home, and it being and it now being a viable option. I don't think people realise that we haven't really been working from home because we've been forced to do it. So it's, it's, it hasn't been like it would have been in, if you made the decision three years ago, for example. Mm. You know, we have, there's, to, there's like working from home and then there's working remotely where you can work anywhere, it doesn't matter. Like we run a remote, uh, remote workforce of 10 people, they're in Manchester, Kent, Chippenham, you know, all over the place. Mm. And... Um, and everyone's saying, shall we work from the office or work from home? And I'm like, well, you can't compare working from home in a pandemic to working wherever you like in the in like back to normal world sort of thing. So I don't think we haven't really been working from home, I, I don't think, because it, just the circumstances haven't been the same. So it's interesting, actually. I, it's, uh, it's the same conversation with traditional sales. Don't think... Uh, the way that we communicate now and behave different uh, is very different. So I guess we, we have to start thinking about what sales looks like in this world now. And mm -hmm. I know that Plan Grow Do, there's uh, a modern sales approach. So can you talk a little bit about what modern sales is and how you kind of approach it? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. And uh, I think you've got a very valid point about the work from home and, and how that differs from the work from working remotely. Mm -hmm. It used to be a case of if you're working from home, you were deemed to be skiving a day off. Yeah. Whereas now it's a magical, wonderful <laughs> thing that's saving businesses thousands of pounds. But you're right, if we get forced into this corner, it's not working 
the best it can. And while it's going to have a place, it needs to be you know, slotted in somewhere, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And I guess, yeah, in terms of modern sales uh, and our approach to that, it is the it is the joining up and appreciation of how your buyer buys has changed. Mm-hmm. I'll come to that in a moment. But how we then talk to our buyers and our customers needs to change as well. You know, think about the last purchases in terms of the customer and you as a buyer. If you wanted to go to a restaurant, buy a car, television, new phone, what do you do? You don't just walk into a high street shop, I won't name them, into any high street shop and ask the retail person to fill you in because they just read the ticket. What you do is you probably go on online and you'll probably say, which phone's best for me? I've seen about this new Sony television. I'll go and read everything possibly about it. <laughs> I'll go and identify and look at this restaurant that, that I've heard new. I'll see what everyone else is saying about it. So we get it from a customer point of view and understand that that's how we behave. Mm. But when it comes to us in our business shoes, we get afraid to ask for reviews. We get afraid to ask for testimonials. We get afraid to build this reputation and this brand based on third-party referral and recommendation. And for me, it comes down to the fact that all we do is basically just say, I don't know who you are, but you're going to buy something from me. Yeah. Whereas what we could be doing is understanding how our customer is, is researching about what they need and show up. I know you've got a problem. Let me help you identify some solutions that might help you. Let me give you some insights into your, into your problem that you've identified. Mm. And then once you've appreciated the fact of what, what issues there might be, let's have a conversation about that and see how we can work together to solve it. And I think that's more of a modern sales approach. It's not just bombarding people, just shouting at them to buy something from you, but it's helping them in the first place, a very early point where ultimately you might not be a paid for solution for them, but you're offering value. You're, you're, you're helping with a very genuine approach to that group of people. And I think this probably leads into a little bit deeper into our conversation about understanding who the people are, because it used to be that, I guess, sales from your perspective as well, sales used to be like, let's stand outside a service station and see who wants car servicing, because like, it was relevant and you would just, you would throw it out there and just hope that it catches someone's attention and that they want to talk to you. But now we have to understand much more deeply who we're talking to. And, um, and I know that you do a lot of this at the very beginning of your process. So what is it that we need to do right from the beginning to understand who we're trying to sell to? Well, yeah, this is, and oftentimes I'll I'll ask groups of people or network events, just who's your customer? And and often they'll, they'll, it's like you've asked them a trick question or something. They'll go, well, (laughs) yeah. Well, everyone, everyone is a customer or any, and they'll stand proudly at anyone that wants my product or services is my customer. Anyone that needs me is my customer. No job too small for all your needs and all that sort of stuff, you know? And I just think we spend all our time, I guess, just thinking from, from ourselves, just shouting at people about buy something, buy something, but we're not actually talking to anyone. And we often say that if you try and talk to everyone, you're going to speak to no one. 
And I think if we can get our heads around that and think not everyone is your customer, and that's absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. But if you spend your days trying to shout at them, trying to shout at everyone, you're not going to connect with anybody. So I think we have to, from an early modern sales approach, you know, because it takes more time and customers are looking for people and brands that they can know, like, trust, which I'm sure we've all heard before. But we don't do anything to get known, to get liked or get trusted. We just shout, buy something from me. So while that might take a bit of effort, I think as a business and as a salesperson or as you know, those responsible for, for developing your business, you've got to think, what group of people do I want to be known for to? What group of people do I want to be liked in? What community do I want to be liked in? And which group of people are going to trust me the most? Because then everything we do moving forward is with that in mind. And it becomes different to trying to shout at everyone and you just start to build that to that group of people. Well, what do you think stops people from being specific? Um, I think we are awash with platforms that make it easy to, in theory, get your message out to everyone. So I think there might be like um, almost like an inherent risk or a feeling of risk that if I try to be specific, this person over here won't, won't know it's for them. So I'll be as general as I can possibly be because then everyone will join their own dots up and see that I'm the right fit for them. Yeah. It's a real challenge, I think. But if we can flip from our our seller's shoes and our business shoes to our consumer shoes, that happens to us every day. We connect and engage with brands who are like us. They look, sound, smell, talk like us. Uh, it, it's, it's an absolute wonder how we can see it and absorb it from a consumer side. But what, as soon as we hop into our business perspective, we try and shout to everyone. Mm. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I've experienced a bit of that myself and I, I've struggled in the past to get really specific as well. And it's, it's sometimes scary because you think you're going to put off everyone else by speaking to one type of person. And it was only, I think, when I started to get really specific for a short period of time, even just to test it out about HR consultants that I really enjoy working with. Just we have some great conversations. We talk about similar things like culture and leadership and all those things that are a bit of a crossover in HR and branding. Mm. We have really good conversations. So I started just talking to HR consultants. All of a sudden, I get an accountant that buys one of my pro, like the brand confidence program that I have. And I asked her, like, what, what attracted you to doing this? Because I was talking about HR. And she said, yeah, I know, my, my business is similar, so it makes sense for me to do the same thing. And I remember thinking, that's it, I think. Well, that's it, because you'll have been so laser-focused on one group, you'll have got to such depth and clarity about how you really help that group. Yeah. An accountant can look at that and say, well, if I just replace accountant with HR, that's me. So I can, I can see how they're going to help me. This is kind of my argument with... Um, when people talk about like niching or being very specific about about someone um you know you don't have to necessarily 
always target demographics and ages and genders and all those things if you can just talk about a common problem um, but speak to one industry for example the other industries that have the same problem <laughs> will come to you as well and that's certainly what i've experienced they will they will and that's the, if we can reverse engineer that you know here's my whole universe of people that might one day possibly but probably never be my customer yeah forget them look for that group because the other ones will look from the outside in and come to you anyway like you mentioned in your accountancy example i mean yeah. if we can aim to be a specialized solution for a defined group of people it's going to put us in a good place as business owners and, and, and teams moving forward. And it's not saying we only need one. Yeah. You can have two, three, five groups of people. But until you can look back at your existing customers or you know, work forwards by building more relevant networks online, we won't be able to identify them. And I think it's, it's a challenge that we need to, need to address. That's why we're so inherently put the customer first yeah in all we talk about you've got to be able to know who your customer is mm -hmm. um you know going back to my own days in clubs and venues it wasn't a case of i'm going to put a gig on and everyone's going to come it's i'm going to put a rock gig indie gig dance gig we can see the genres super clear mm -hmm. so it's easy in that respect and this is one of the things i guess that came from my b2c background into b2b the principles are the same you just have to identify your own indie gig, your hip hop gig, your R&B gig. What is that for you? And that could be an accountancy, it could be HR, whatever. What differences are there? Uh, and it's what people sort of adopt and connect with. So let's let's get a, a bit more specific then. So I'm, I'm a business that is struggling with sales. You take me right back to the beginning and say, look, we, we need to figure out who we're targeting here. We need to get a little bit more specific. Can you talk us through a few steps we can do to figure out who that is? Mm, yeah. Ultimately, it starts with, well, who are they? Tell me about them. Are they, what sector are they in? What level of the business are they in? Are they the decision maker? Um, what's their challenges at work? Or, or why, do they, why would they need you as a solution? Because I guess from your perspective, no one wakes up wanting branding. Correct. So, so, <laughs> and that'll go, that goes for a lot of industries, not just yours. <laughs> but yeah, you don't wake up in the morning and say, I really want a new brand. There's a purpose underneath that as to what that brand is achieving. Mm -hmm. and if you can keep, one of the things we like to do is just sort of keep probing. Why? Why, do, why does someone want a new brand? Why else does someone need a new brand? Why is that then important? And very soon... Um, you'll, you'll, you'll start to uncover an emotional driver that is your hook to then start to position yourself in terms of messaging. Because then if you get an emotional driver that goes into, well, we know that HR companies want branding because it's renowned as a bland industry. And Sarah, the HR specialist, is on a mission to improve and inspire smaller businesses to have an outsourced HR solution so she can better the workforce for all. Great. That sounds better than she wants a new brand so she looks nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now our messaging as a, as a um, branding specialist in the HR space can be all about how 
brand effectively inspires workforce, how it creates loyalty out of workforce, how people connect with branding to help their businesses grow and expand and outsource their teams. So when Sarah, our HR person is online and we're actively connecting with people like Sarah and she sees something that aligns with her values, she's more intrigued and she's more likely to connect and want to read the earlier insights that you've got. Doesn't mean she's a customer yet, but she's more likely to want to connect and see what it is you've got to say on a regular basis. Whereas if you just shout at Sarah, do you want some branding? No, because I've not woke up wanting branding. <laughs> I've woke up wanting a, a solution to a problem. Tell me about that, not the branding. Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll really um you'll really resonate with this. Then when I started out as a as a designer, I know um I know many designers still go through this where they will say, someone will come come and ask them how much is a logo, and that they'll basically go through the standard. Well, it depends what it is. Let's jump on a call. Let's discuss what you want. I'll give you a price, etc. And they do, they go through that process, never really understanding what the problem is. Mm -hmm. uh, and they still quote and they still get the job and they still do it. And that's great. But nothing really happens from there. There's no problem being solved. It's a very face value thing. So when, when I, uh, because I came from business rather than education, when I started in design, mm -hmm. um, I remember people saying how much is like they would literally jump in my inbox on Facebook Messenger or LinkedIn and they would say, Oh, we're looking at doing a logo, but how much would it be? And and I realized very quickly that the way that I increase the perception at least of the value of what we do in design is by seeing what the problem is. So people would say, How much is a logo? And I'd reply, What's the problem? And it'd throw them off completely. They'd be like, What? <laughs> because like you said they don't wake up one in a brand but they yeah. do sometimes wake up and go do you know it's not going well maybe it's maybe we could rebrand maybe we could do the logo and we'd feel a little bit better about connecting with our audience or whatever it might be so i started digging and what you mentioned there is uh, something i learned in software development called the five whys and it's uh, yeah, yeah. kind of well, why is that a problem why why don't you like your logo Oh, I just don't think it's attracting the right people. Now we've got, now we're getting there. Like, why don't you think it's attracting the right people? Oh, but because it kind of looks old and stuffy and a lot of the companies we deal with are like modern technology type IT companies. Okay, uh, so why is it important that you attract these tech IT companies to the business? Well, because they pay really well and they're the most profitable in our different types of clients. Thank you. Now we've got a problem that we can solve. Yeah. More of those people and less of the people that are not profitable. Now we have something to go on and we can design a brand that actually works towards that. But I, th mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people realize that you can solve a problem in that way. So it's, good, it's really good actually to hear the exact same thing used in a different industry, in sales, same same kind of process so it's, it's great to hear that it's that that important and that foundational to what you do as well yeah well, i think i think it has to be just uh, it's it's never been easier just to talk to as many people yeah mm. well it doesn't mean we're engaging or connecting with anyone yeah. is it? it's just like i often use the analogy of uh, you would walk into a, a busy pub full of strangers and just shout about i sell windows or something it just, it just wouldn't work but what might get you a conversation is, 
I've been in the area fixing windows and I've got three great ways that you can make, save hundred quid on your bill, on your energy bills this, this week. Do you, want, do you want this this little leaflet I can give you about it? It's going to get you much more early awareness because you're helping people from a genuine position. Yeah. Okay. So, so I understand who my ideal customer is. I understand, you know, what it is about them, the problem that we're solving and those things. If we're going to look at getting more sales into the business, what's the next step after that, that we need to start thinking about? So we looked at, you know, you've got to look at your customer profile, then you've got to understand, I guess their customer journey. And we've touched on it a little bit, but we, we think a customer goes through four distinct phases of their journey and, and think about it from your own consumer perspective, you'll do this the same. First off, it's unaware. They haven't got a clue who you are. You might think one day they might be the best customer for you, but currently they don't realize you. Mm-hmm. So what can you do at this early stage to simply make them aware of you? That's the second stage. I'm aware of you. I've not signaled any intent that I need or want anything that you've got. So what are you doing here to talk? And, it, and it's subtle, but there are key differences in how you start to communicate there. Mm-hmm. Then there's the consideration phase. I know I've got an issue and I'm doing my own research to find out which TV is best for me, to find out which service provider is best for me. I'm researching that. Now, if you've done the work early on to build up your personal brand and your business brand, you should be part of that consideration. And now you can start to use perhaps more traditional elements. So you might be on the phone, you might have a face-to-face, you might have a good follow-up. And then there's the fourth, de- the fourth stage, which is decision. Uh, so, so a customer goes through this all the time. It doesn't really deviate from that. I don't know. I've got a problem. I know I've got a problem. I'm considering some solutions. I'm going to decide what to do about it. No matter what we buy, it's that. But we seem to think that just because someone connects on LinkedIn, that's our cue to go and say, buy my stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And we don't appreciate it. It's like, hang on. You've profiled this customer. They've seen you. They want to connect. When was the invitation to say, come and buy my stuff? It wasn't. So what can you do instead that simply gets them into what we call a holding pattern? You know, build your professional network, but make it relevant. Don't just take on vanity numbers on LinkedIn, which I think a lot of people tend to do. Uh, It's about keeping it lean and efficient. It's a process after all, to know who the customer are, know how they buy, and then the third part is, is why you? So we know who, we know how, why? Why are they going to come to you? And it comes back to that no like trust piece. Uh, what, what do you do to show up to get you known? Mm. What do you show up to get trusted and then hopefully liked with that group of people? Because it's challenging. We're not going to be liked by everyone. Mm-hmm. I, I used to feel uncomfortable when... I was last to be picked on the footy team in school or something. I'm like, oh, people must not like me. That's uncomfortable. But we can't be liked and known by everyone. It's just impossible. Uh, our time is limited. We've got platforms, but our time's limited on them. So make it count and make sure you're getting the, the who's, the how's, and the why's in place. And I think that's a very good sort of start to building a, a more modern sales process. Yeah, I, when when you talk about kind of the what and the, the how um, and the why, I, I get that. Um, I, I often, you know, people people are 
got, especially in the marketing space, I think mostly, they have this um, urge to define what sales and marketing is separately. Uh, and there's so much crossover. And, it, and even in branding now, um, I often refer to branding as the why, as the why people buy from you. You know, it's that thing the, that uh, allows you to come up with something uh, unique, I guess, about you or allows you to at least identify it so you can tell people about it. Mm. Um, and sales is, uh, sales and marketing fit in with the, the what and the how kind of thing. Um, but yeah, people have this obsession with defining things. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like even though you're in sales training and you help people with the confidence and, uh, uh, and those kinds of things for sales, there's a there's quite a bit of crossover so is there within the sales process do you have to consider marketing and branding and all the all these other things as well as part of it as oh, yeah, I, I, I think so absolutely you know my background is is more marketing but like i mentioned as i moved from a b2c to a b2b marketplace the the principles from b2c are wholly applicable in b2b and my business partner he's got a um, the sales background at um, sort of global leadership level. And we shared an office and we were thinking, well, I'm marketing your sales. We're having pretty much the same conversation, just from a different, different approach. So if we could merge these two together, that's going to be able to help a lot of people. And that's, that's kind of what we did. And um, there's a lot of, I like to call it job snobbery around. People don't think that they work in sales. They don't think that they work in marketing. I was at a, networking event this must be 18 months ago perhaps sponsored by a, a quite a large accountancy firm and someone asked a question and it, it was marketing related in this respect and, and the guy went oh I'll, I'm just I'm the accountant I'll hand you over to marketing who can deal with that as if like belittling this marketing role and this marketing function and I knew then I'd never go to you to be my accountant just in th because they don't appreciate the fact that they are the go-to person in that respect. They're front and center at that event. And if they think they're not marketing and selling at that point, then they've got a problem because no one's there just to listen about bookkeeping. Yeah. They're there to buy into you as a brand and as a person that's representing your business. And I think a lot of us hide behind business branding when there has to be an element of personal branding and we mentioned it before about the early stages of how how we shop and a lot of that is on reputation it's on reviews um it's on case studies and those responsible for sales i think often forget that it's not my job marketing's job okay but can't marketing make your job easier by you telling them what it is that you need <laughs> and then you use these assets to talk to people at a more meaningful level when they're unaware or aware of you can't you see how it all fits together? I think if we if we stick in this silo of I'm sales, I'm marketing, it's it's a long term danger. I think and it's not talking to a customer how they want to be spoke to. Interesting. Uh, I think we could probably talk forever on uh, this whole process. I know that you've got uh, a load of resources and stuff on the website that that people could use through you know the plan grow do kind of phases and so much training and learning that we could go through uh, but it's been it's been really good to get to know a little bit of the early stage of the process because i think now that we're 
hopefully and probably coming out of lockdown this month, people can start to get excited again about business. They can start to get excited about doing sales again. You know, whether they like it or not, they're going to do it in some form. So why not do it well? Yeah. So as we get to that, it's, um, it's a really important thing to make sure we're, we're understanding who we're selling to and how to connect with them. So can you give us some final thoughts, final tips on, on uh, maybe sales in, in, the, in a kind of a post-pandemic world and some important points? Yeah, yeah it's, um, I wrote a, uh, an article actually, it's on, it's on the website, and um, I'll perhaps share, share it on the show notes or something, but it's, um, it's about how the environment's changed. And my old dog, bless her, she's not with us anymore, but. We used to get in the car and, and drive to the beach. And I mean, Sheffield, we used to go to Bridlington. It's about a two hour drive. So it's, it's quite a stretch. And, and she was in the boot of the car, locked up, eager, raring to go. She didn't know where we were going. And I pulled up at the edge of the beach. We, we'd open the boot, woof, straight into the sea. And she didn't like it. <laughs> she didn't know where she was. <laughs> She'd been sat pent up for so long that when we were released, she just ran off knowing to do what she does. But it wasn't the right thing for her to do. She needed to take a step back um, and think, where am I? This isn't my back garden. Things have changed. How do I tread on this beach to avoid that sea that I hate? And I think if we can... If we can, I'll use the loose analogy of that to say, well, ultimately we've been stuck in the boot of a car for a long time. And there might be a, a real temptation to just charge off, like nothing's changed. But in reality, I guess what we have done is we've left our back garden behind and we're on the sea. And if you're not ready to go and run into the sea, you need to adjust what you're doing and think that things have changed a little bit. Um, so who is your customer? Really, who is it? How are they buying? And what are you doing to show up in this new environment that, that talks to them? Um, so yeah, I hope that makes sense. I love to get my old dog Shelby into, into the mix. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. No, that's been great. Thanks very much, Rob. Um, no, the, uh, I'll link the article. I'll put some stuff uh, uh, from the website in the show notes as well. There's, I know there's a bunch of free resources and stuff that you have. So. Uh, so people can go and download or, or do what they need to do to get prepared um, for this next uh, next stage of, uh, I don't even know what to call it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Evolution? I don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah. It's too dramatic. Whatever it is, have fun with it. <laughs> Great stuff. Thanks, Rob. Cheers. Thank you.